Hello everyone, it's great to have you with us and I hope you're sitting back and relaxing with a cuppa as you join us today. We do know that these are challenging times and so we encourage you if you'd like to have a chat with anyone or find out more about New Penn or about faith, please contact us on connect at newpeninsula.com.au. Today we begin our new series on relationships and at our Mount Martha and Rosebud morning services we're going to explore topics such as healthy marriages, parenting and influencing generations. At our Real Food 5 o'clock service we're going to explore topics such as friendships, healthy families and how to navigate our sexualised world. We're looking forward to Paul starting us off on the series later on in the service. Today I want to start the message by talking about architecture. I guess it's partly because I'm here recording this. It's Thursday morning when I'm recording it and I'm recording it in a bedroom in our house because every room of our house is being used at the moment. We've got people on Zoom calls and WebExes and all sorts of other stuff going on and so the house is being fully used and so it prompts me to think about architecture because the reality is today when an architect is talking to a client who wants to build a new house is that they're probably talking about having not just a little corner set aside for a study but a whole big room and then maybe even two rooms or more for home offices and various other things. There's something that ha has happened, hasn't there, with the COVID-19 pandemic and this shift to online uh, study and at-home work uh, and all of that. So architecture is a really interesting discipline. Uh, on one side, the architect needs to answer the question around how. how. How is this building to be built? How do we build it in a way that is stable and safe? Uh, a way that it works and it's, it's, it's going to stand the test of time. And alongside the architect in that space is the engineer and the builder and one or two others that help answer that how question. But a good architect will also look to answer the why question. And that is, why does this building need to be built? What purpose does it serve? And as they sit with that question, they will try and come up with a response that is creative, that brings beauty to the physical space, and that allows the building not just to have form and function, but actually have enhanced livability. And the reason I want to talk about architecture is because it helps us understand where I'm going in the passage that we're in today. Now we're starting a new series today on relationships. And I'm going to Genesis chapter 1, actually, the very start of the Bible, the very first chapter in the Bible. Now, we'll often approach this chapter in Genesis chapter 1 through the question of how. Uh, that is, how did God create the world? And I believe Genesis chapter 1 answers this question really well. But in our focus on looking at the how question, sometimes we forget to explore the why. And that's what I want to do today. I want to explore why it is that God created the world. So as we kick off our relationship series, let's get in. And we're at the very start of Genesis chapter 1. In fact, the very first four words of Genesis chapter 1, the first four words of the Bible. And they say, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. You see, the act of creation that we see here in Genesis chapter 1 is actually an act of self-revelation. Recently, in the start of this year, Kate and I and the kids, we moved, as many of you know, we moved from Gisborne down to the Mornington Peninsula to start, uh, for me anyway, as the senior pastor at New Peninsula Baptist Church. 
Now, it's been a great move. The kids are thriving, Kate and I are loving it down here. But it's fair to say that there have been some moments as we've transitioned and made that move where there's been some sadness and there's been some grief around what we've left in Gisborne. It's natural, it's part of that letting go process. And as we've unpacked this and discussed it and talked about it, we've tried to understand well, what, where is this grief coming from? And we've realized that it's not a sense of loss over the house that we left, that we built that house about 10 years ago. It was a great house for the time that we were there, but we were starting to outgrow it and there were some things about it that were frustrating us. So there's no great sense of grief or loss there. It's not a great sense of grief or loss about the fact that Gisborne was in a really natural and beautiful environment and we did so enjoy it when we were there, but we're now discovering a whole other part of God's creation here down on the Mornington Peninsula, which we love equally. So it wasn't any of that, but, but what we've really missed is the sense of, of knowing and being known. It's that going down to the local shops or the local cafe and, and you walk in and there's three or four people straight away that you know or that they know you or and you can have a conversation with them. My kids used to joke when I had to uh, go down to the shops to get a few groceries or something like that. The, uh, in a job that should have been about 15 or 20 minutes, they'd say, see you in two hours, Dad. And the reason they'd say that is because they just knew that I'd get stuck there talking to people. And I loved that. It was It was amazing. It was one of the things. And so as we've I guess, let go of that. And we've experienced some sadness around that. And, and we know in time that that will come here on the Mornington Peninsula. But there is this sense of loss and grief and sadness around that, that sense of both knowing and being known. And, and here in Genesis chapter one, this is what we have in God, this act of self-revelation. This is a God who says, I want to know, I want to be known. God here is, is proving and demonstrating himself as a relational God. Our God is a relational God. It's really interesting, isn't it? As we look through the, the story of the Bible, as we work through Genesis, right through the Old Testament, right to the Gospels, the story of Jesus, God himself coming and dwelling amongst us. And then we go through the, the start of the early church in the epistles through to Revelation, where it talks about what is to come. And the whole way through the Bible, we see that God is, is a relational God, a God who just desires to be in relationship with us. Then we have the history of the church way back from the first century through to the current day. And again, we see where the church has grown, where the church has exploded and there's been revival and all sorts of great things that have happened. What we see is that we see a God who just wants relationship. A God is making himself known and being known. Even in our current day here at New Peninsula Baptist Church, we're still tapping into this. This is so much part of who God is. I love the fact that we as a church have partnerships with different mission organisations. We've got a partnership with organisations in Uganda and in Myanmar and also locally through Community Care Incorporated. And all of these partnerships allow us to step into this space, this sense of who God is, this God who wants to know and be known. But I've just been so encouraged this week. Because sometimes when we think about these mission partnerships, we think they're over there, they're big things, they're great things, but they're big things, they're maybe not for me. What, what, what does mission look like for me? And I've been so encouraged by uh, this photo, which is up on the screen right now. This is Swan Lee and Ali down in Rosebud. Uh, they're baking pumpkin scones and, and they're packaged them together with a nice little encouraging note. And they've handed it out to their neighbours, letting their neighbours know that even in this really difficult and challenging time, there's a God that loves them, actually. A God who wants to know them. 
Our God is a relational God. But, but it's so much more than just that. In fact, this idea of relationship, this, it goes to the very core of who God is. You see, as we work our way through Genesis, we had the creation story. We have the six days of creation and the seventh day where God rested. Each day he made a new thing as part of his overall creation. And at the end of each day, he said, you know what, this is good. And then he got to the creation of us, the creation of humanity. And he said, oh, no, this is not just good. This is very good. He really delighted in that us when he created us and what we have here as we work through genesis we get to verse 26 and we've got this really interesting verse and it says this let us make humankind in our image in our likeness what's going on here well it's interesting isn't it that the the pronoun that's being used is is plural not, not a singular. We do believe that our God is one God. Christianity is a monotheistic religion. There's no doubt about that, but it's one God in three parts. We have God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. It's the Trinity. Now, whenever we try and get our heads around the Trinity, it's a bit of a brain bender, actually. It's really a hard concept to understand. How can we have one God, but a God in three parts? And it is difficult. And whatever metaphor we use, it has limitations. It's able to describe an aspect of the Trinity, but not a complete wholeness of the Trinity. In fact, I'm not sure that we'll ever fully understand the Trinity this side of eternity. But one metaphor which I think is really useful is, is the metaphor of a dance. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, God is not a static thing, but a dynamic, pulsating activity, a life, almost a kind of drama, almost, if you will not think me irreverent, a kind of dance. So what C.S. Lewis is getting at here is that that the Trinitarian God, it's the way that God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit work together. It's like a dance. It's like a dance where they are dancing in such a way that they're elevating and promoting the other. They're making the other shine and look good. Now, I've shared previously a few weeks ago what a terrible dancer I am, and that is true. But fortunately, those genes have not been passed down to my kids. In fact, Bridget my youngest, is a really good dancer. From a very young age, it's been part of who she is. I can remember when she was in the, um, the high chair and we'd have music on and then she'd be bopping her head away and moving her arms. You know, even from a very young age, she just like had this music in her and had this rhythm. And as she's grown up and she's now 10 years old, she just has loved to dance. And uh, most of her dancing is self-taught, actually, the wonders of YouTube. But recently she's been taking classes and she's getting even better as the teachers mould her and shape her. But what I love about Bridget's dancing is that there's this natural expression and rhythm to the music that happens. It just flows. You know, she hasn't been trained from a young age. It's quite organic, but it's, it's really beautiful to watch her dance. And I think that's something of the picture that we're getting here of the Trinitarian dance. Now, now I've already said that the metaphors are somewhat limited and they are, but if we can just stretch it a little bit further because I think it's helpful and that is that with this Trinitarian dance, we're actually invited in to be part of that dance as well. 
You see, this idea of Trinity is an idea of one God, but of three parts being in communion, in community with each other. See, God is not just relational. It is at the core of who he is, the very core of who he is. And it brings us to our third and our final aspect of what we're looking at today. And that is this, as it is with God, so it is with us. As it is with God, so it is with us. Let's have a look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the next verse along. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So here we have God saying, I've created you in my image. So just as God is a relational God, just as it's very much at the core of his being, so it is with us. We too are relational beings. We are created. We are designed for relationship. Now, if we look at ourselves in a mirror, in in a really good mirror, like a, a glass mirror, we will see an accurate likeness of ourselves. But when it comes to being image bearers of God, we don't always present that sharp, accurate likeness, do we? You see, a couple of chapters on from Genesis 1, we get into Genesis 3. And what we read about is the very first fracturing of relationship. The fracturing of relationship between Adam and Eve and God himself. And so while Genesis 1 is the ideal, this idea of perfect and peaceful and harmonious relationship, the reality is that our starting point is Genesis 3, a fractured sense of relationship. So it would be true to say that for just about all of us, we could identify, whether it be family members or friends, uh, that we were once in good relationship with, but right now we're not in good relationship. Now, it may be for no reason of our own. We may not have contributed anything, but the reality that in the fallen world that we live in, that is what happens. But it is true to say that we don't always reflect that accurate image of God. Now, I've got this mirror. This is a mirror that I use in the shower for shaving. It's not a bad mirror. It was a cheap mirror, $12 or something from Amazon.com. But it's good. It's okay. But the problem with this mirror is that when I'm in the shower, it fogs up. And and so then when I go and have a shave, I I have to sort of squidgy the the fog off it so I can actually see what I'm doing to shave. It's not really a very good representation of who am I. It's not accurate. It's clouded. It's foggy. It's blurry. And as I said, this is the, the Genesis 3 style of image bearing. And so the question is, how do we get from Genesis 3 back to the ideal in Genesis 1? Well, in this relationship series, that's what we're exploring, actually. I'm really excited about the the topics that we're looking. Some of these topics will include things such as sustaining a healthy marriage, influencing generations, navigating the sexualized world that we live in, Healthy families, friendships, going to do that one particularly at Real Food. We're also going to do same-sex attraction at Real Food as we open that up, as we look at this theme and series around relationships. Lots of good topics coming our way. 
as we explore those topics, what we're going to be doing is going to be looking at how do we move into this Genesis 1 ideal away from the Genesis 3? How do we move into God's design and God's plan for relationships, for us with him and also with those around us? But I want to leave you with this point. The starting point of us moving back from Genesis 3 to Genesis 1, the the bridge, in fact, that we need is Jesus on the cross when he stretched out his arms and he created the bridge for us. When he defeated death, when he rose again, so that we may have life in him, so that our sins may be forgiven, so that we experience his love and his grace, but also so that we know and we understand what this Genesis 1 ideal of relationships is like. If you're struggling a bit today in relationships, if you can identify maybe just one or maybe there's more people who you would love to be in better relationship with, then take them to the feet of Jesus at the cross today. Own your own contribution when you're doing that, but also recognise that it's not solely your fault. But take it to Jesus. Lay it down at his feet on the cross. Let him carry that burden for you. Pray the Genesis 1 ideal into that circumstance and that situation today. Can I pray for you now? Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this series that we're doing on relationship, this opportunity to explore what it looks like, what your idea, what your creative design was for us, what your thing of beauty even was for us when it comes to relationship. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who is relational right from the very start, the first four words of the Bible, right through the the entire Bible, through the history of the church. We can see that you are a relational God and you desire so much to know and be known. But Lord, we also sit with some pain today as we recognize that there are people around us who we would desire to be in better relationship with that we aren't in right now. And Lord, we take those to you. We lay them at your feet today, at the foot of your cross. And we say, take them on for us, Lord. Take that burden on, carry it for us. And Lord, we pray that you would bring change and transformation into those situations right now. Help us move from Genesis 3 to Genesis 1, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Paul, for your message. And thank you for joining with us today. I hope you're looking forward to the rest of our relationship series. So God bless you all and have a great week.